I made a TikTok on this topic the other day and I realized, you know, it needs a lot more than 50 minutes. And if you didn't see that TikTok, that's how a writer should read like a writer and not just a reader. Seriously, if you are a writer and you're not reading like a writer, you're doing yourself a disservice. Hi, this is Autumn Bardell, and here you'll find author tips, writing tools, and how to live your best writing life. And many of us just want to have fun, but be serious, but learn the craft while we're doing all that stuff that we have to do. And as you know, I have to tell you to subscribe and click notify so YouTube can tell you when I've put a new video up, which is usually on Wednesdays. And give it a like if you like this kind of content, if I made you laugh, if you learned something new. And sharing would be amazing. If you could share my video on Facebook or your social media, that would be amazing. Don't forget to tag me so I can give you some love. Writers should read. We've all heard that advice from a multitude of sources, a lot of big time authors, agents, publishing houses, everything. They say writers should read. And that's correct. They should read. But you know what? As a teacher, and if you don't know I'm a teacher, then yeah, I'm a teacher. As a teacher, I feel like that is only giving half of the instruction. If I told my students to just read, hey, read this, they would read it and they would just let the words wash over them. And then at the end of the article or the chapter, I asked them a bunch of specific questions. They'd say, well, wait a minute, you didn't tell us what to read for. See, there's a difference. And if I had told them, hey, I need you to read for this authorial technique, they would have actively looked at it while they were reading, made notes in their brain while they were reading. And that's what you as a writer needs to do is to look at it critically, not to criticize, but to look at it for all of its components so that you can learn how best-selling authors and best-selling um, books, why they're so great and, and how and why they did what they did and what made it so compelling, what made it so amazing and page turning. Now wait, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, but I just want to read. I just want to have fun. I just want to be entertained. And I get that. And that's a great thing. But for a lot of us, we don't have that much time. So we want to make sure that our pleasure reading, our entertainment reading um, is going to carry over and give us more help for our actual writing. So kind of a twofer, right? If you have lots of time and you have entertainment reading time, and then you have, I'm gonna read this like a writer time, great, but a lot of us don't. So now we're gonna to get to that list of things to look for so that you can read like a writer. And don't, like there's a lot of things and you don't have to write them all down because they're going to be on Club Autumn and also on my website. And the links will be in the description box below. Also, as I read this list, and I know some of you get anxious, I'm always getting anxious. I'm like, that's too many things. 
I'm going to show you how to pare it down as well and how to work with it because in the beginning, total truth here, when I read all those things, you're going to be like, that's a lot of stuff to look for while I'm reading for fun, reading for entertainment, reading as a reader. But when you start doing this, then you actually can't stop doing it and you'll be able to add more to the mix. So we're going to go through the list and then I'm going to show you ways to manage that list that are best for you. Okay, here's the list. Number one, pay attention to the first paragraph, the first line. How did the author begin? What drew you in? Did they start with a character, a description, dialogue, action? Keep that up there. How did they start it? Two, how were the main characters introduced? Were there many at a time? Was it per scene? What made it easy or difficult to recall the characters in other chapters? We've all had books where they throw in a lot of characters in the beginning and then you're like, whoa, who was that again? Okay, that's a way not to do it. Also, how were the character described in a way that gave you an image in your mind of their appearance and their general personality? Number three, how many different kinds of conflict were going on? Now, I'm going to leave my conflict video in the description box as well. There's going to be lots in the description box with this one. Um, great novels have many different levels of conflict. We know the seven kinds from high school, man versus man, man versus self, those. But I actually have a chart where I go really deeper into those and the sub-levels of those, which will, I think, or at least they help me, really dig into lots of conflict in my novels. And I already lost count, so whichever is the next one. <laughs> How did the scene or the chapter contribute to the rising action? And I'm going to leave my scene checklist in the description box as well. How did each scene and or chapter contribute to character growth, to their character arc? what was revealed about the character's weaknesses and their strengths. Did you find any foreshadowing? If not, you are probably not reading like a writer because it's in there. What is the tone of the book? Is it romantic, sarcastic, irreverent, funny, sassy, flippant, serious, reserved, insulting. I have one tone for my historical fiction, which is more serious, right? Serious historical fiction. And then I have a lot more sassy, fun, humorous tones for my urban fantasy, for my Merkaba series, and for Goddesses, Inc. Two entirely different tones. What tone is used and why? How many lines or words or adjectives are used to describe something, are used in description? And how does the writer do it? Does it get its own paragraph? Does it, does it get its own line? Is it embedded um, in a dialogue tag? Or, you know, is it somewhere embedded somewhere sneakily? If you have that image in your head, if you see that they've described something, take just a quick look at how they did it. 
there's many different ways to describe something and it's usually and what I find for new writers beginning writers is they end up doing like a description dump which is not what you want to do before I continue with my list I just want to say you can read outside your genre and you can read within your genre some of them are going to be more some of these things are going to be more genre specific and some of these things are going to be you know just general good rules of writing so for example if i'm looking at an action scene if i want to write better action i go to my actiony novels and i see how they are handling the fight scenes and i needed that for a lot of my novels if I'm doing mystery or I need to impart some mystery, I'm going to incorporate elements of those mystery novels. However, you want to stay true to the, the, the genre guidelines, okay? Because people read a genre because they're looking for a certain thing or they have an expectation of a certain kind of structure or format or a way of writing and you don't want to veer really heavily from that. So I can't write my historical fiction like one of my action like an action novel I might read, although I can incorporate elements of that into my historical fiction. Are there symbolic things or elements? And I will link my whole symbolism video in the description box as well. feel like I'm being really repetitive here. Also, are there any motifs and why? How are they used? A motif is any object, thing, idea, phrase that is used three times or more in a paragraph, in a chapter, in a whole book. I'm reading a book now by a big time author and their title is very much a motif that actually morphs into a symbol. But we don't even want to get into that literary stuff. How many struggles are the main characters facing or confronted with during the rising action. You want as many struggles as possible. A lot of bumps and struggles and obstacles. The more, you'll be probably surprised by how many the author actually put in there. How many surprises were thrown at you? Like a twin or an ex-husband or like, where did that come out of? And were you surprised or did you find it kind of cliche? What qualities about the main characters made you root for them, made them want to succeed? Conversely, if you hated the main characters, what qualities about that made you despise them? Was, was that the author's intent? Why? Or was it just like a personal thing? How does the author handle time gaps? So whether it's three hours later or a week later or two years later, how are they handling those jumps in time? Chances are they're not saying three months later. Maybe they are, but once again, look at your genre, see how that is done and uh, learn from the masters. How does the author end scenes? How does the author make you want to turn the page on the next scene or the next chapter? What kind of hooks are they using? How long and short are the scenes? Quick scenes, longer scenes, a mix? Once again, genre would be important to know here. How long are the chapters? Are there breaks in the chapters? So that's that little extra space. Sometimes they have some kind of little symbol or something that has to do with the novel. So why did they put that as a break and not as another chapter? 
What makes the pacing fast or slow? Is it the sentence structure? Is it the words that they used? Where do you find yourself reading faster? And where do you find yourself lingering? And why and how did the author do that? How is dialogue used? When is it used? And probably really as just as important, when is it not? When is he said, she said used or other dialogue tags? When is action used as the, as a way to identify who said what and not a dialogue tag? And, and what dialogue tags um, is the author using? Do we feel like we know the peripheral characters? Why or why not? What did the author write about them that makes us feel that they are not flat? characters, that they are three-dimensional, and even though we don't know them as well as the main characters, we still have a really good sense of who they are. How did the author achieve that? How close to the last page is the climax? How many pages is the falling action and the resolution? What is the author's last sentence? First, remember, remember the first question I asked? What was the first sentence? Well, what, what is the last sentence and how does it work for the novel? How does it work emotionally for the characters, for the plot, for the genre? Is it working for it? Do you just look at that last sentence and go, ah, oh, a thing of beauty. What is the sentence length? Are there you tend to read faster with shorter sentences, longer sentences. You tend to take a bit, little bit longer to read. Also, one of the problems I see with beginning writers is they have way too many long sentences in a row and that slows down the narrative. And sometimes you're like, wait, what, what did I just read? <laughs> OK, I think that was 26, maybe 27. I'll know when I make it a formal document. I probably could have listed a whole lot more, but are you supposed to think about all those things in your head while you're reading? No, not if you've never done this before. Frankly, it will make reading a chore and it will make your head explode. And that's not what, <laughs> what we're doing. So what I want you to do, if you've never read this way before, is pick the three or five things that you struggle with the most. Maybe it's showing versus telling. Maybe you're having a problem with dialogue or when to keep it or time breaks. There's a lot of things that I actually will look for when I'm reading something, depending on what manuscript I'm currently working on. And sometimes I even go back and hit, hit up my older books um, that I have read. Now, not old, old books. Like we don't need, you know, um, Michener, James Michener with you know, 50 pages of how Hawaii was formed. I don't, could have been more pages. They just, we don't do that anymore. Uh, but I'll look at best-selling novels to see how they handled something or it needs improving in a current manuscript I'm working on. So start with those three to five things, depending how much your brain can handle. If it's easy, if you're reading a paperback or a hardback, back because you can just, you know, jot those things down on a bookmark or maybe that is your bookmark. If you're on an e-reader, it gets a little bit more challenging. Maybe you want to put it in your notes section so that when you pick up the book, you can quickly remember that you need to hold that in your head. So another thing, if you've never read this way before, is you might have to read a little tiny bit slower because 
you can do this, right? You can read for entertainment for fun and then hold those three to five things in your head. Like when dialogue comes up and you know you have problems with dialogue, you're just gonna pay extra attention when you're reading about the dialogue. That other thing is gonna be going on in your head too. And as you do this more and more, it will become, it will become second nature and then you'll be able to keep adding things in and be really able to read a book critically and get value out of it, not just for its entertainment value, but for what it teaches you about mastering the craft of writing. Once again, if you think that's ruining your reading time, think about it this way. If you like to cook, and you're a cook, and you go to an amazing restaurant, you will tend to pick out the textures, and the flavors, and the aromas, and the colors, and, and presentation, and you will be appreciative of that right? Especially if you're a cook. If you're not a cook, if you've never cooked a thing, like my husband, who I, I think he can like flip a steak on the grill or something, he couldn't, identi he couldn't identify a spice if he tried. And he, my whole family is cooks and they'll sit there and they'll be going, oh, I taste a hint of whatever in there. And he'll be like, wait, what? So it didn't, what I'm saying is he didn't know anything about cooking so he couldn't identify the flavors whereas me and the rest of my family who cooks I think we even get more enjoyment out of it because we can identify those flavors we're not getting less enjoyment out of it we're actually getting a more sensory experience from it that's like writing it won't diminish your fun entertainment reading I think it will actually add to it Here's another quick story. I was at a fancy schmancy restaurant with some friends in, where was it, Napa. Very fancy schmancy. And we had this big room and there was 20 of us. And the sommelier, sommelier, I cannot pronounce that. Sorry, my French. I, no, I don't, I can't. So anyway, the guy came in with the wine and we're trying all the different wines. And I, he poured one or brought it to me and I'm smelling it. And he's going on and on about the tannins and the flavors, yada, yada. And I'm, I said, you know, it tasted, I go, I taste or, or smell bacon. And he's like, no, there, there's no bacon in here. I'm like, no, no, there's bacon in here. So he lifts it, he tastes it. He's like, and then his eyes got real wide. He said, oh, we, we decanted this and we poured, you know, these glasses or something like that. He said, why they were a few hours ago, he said, while they were in the kitchen cooking breakfast with bacon. So what is my, <laughs> what is my point? How does that relate to what we've been talking about? I don't know anything. I know very little about wine. I know what good wine tastes like and I know what not so good wine tastes like, but I don't, I'm not a wine connoisseur by any means. However, I could detect, I could detect a whiff of bacon. So you don't have to know all the lingo, you don't have to know all the literary lingo with its official terms or authorial techniques with its official terms to get a whiff of something that will help um, that will help you appreciate it and and identify it and practice it in your own writing. One last thing before I go, my master's class should be up 
today, maybe tomorrow. It's going to be, there's a link in the description box below. I keep saying that. And the my master's class um, is being hosted by the historical fiction company, but it's not exclusively at all historical fiction. It's just who's hosting the master's class. And it is how to write a masterful sentence and the power of archetype. So I dig deep into archetypes and personality types, those kinds of things, and really focus on the nuances, how to build nuanced characters by showing their strengths and their weaknesses and kind of turning that around and and using the showing versus the telling with that because it's always about the showing versus the telling. And how to write a masterful sentence is taking a look at two great masters of writing and doing kind of just what I discussed through this video is breaking down one of their passages, one of their, a couple of their pages and really going into it deep what they do so that it made this passage masterfully, masterfully written. So when you know how they did it and what they're doing, then you are able to integrate those skills into your own writing. I hope to see you there. As always, writers, remember to dream, create, and embrace.